I'm Adam Coleman, inviting you to the fifth season of The Cosmic Library from LitHub. This season, we go on our tiniest reading adventure yet, into short stories in the U.S. But this too turns out to be almost all-encompassing. I think short stories are essentially brief encounters with felt life. That's Oxford literary scholar Andrew Kahn, who gives us a deep history of the short story. And we hear from The New Yorker's Deborah Treisman, who explains her work as an editor of short fiction. You know, if you are melding with another person, you don't turn that person into you, but you get to know the ins and outs of that person. So, and it's, it's sort of like that. I always feel involved with the stories. We bounce around between the history and current life of short stories with the novelist Justin Taylor. The nice thing about it going out of fashion is that it really frees you up to relate to it in a different way. This being the Cosmic Library, we make sure to go way beyond U.S. short stories, too. Here's the Washington Post critic, Becca Rothfeld. A lot of Kafka short stories, I think, gesture at or describe um, sort of nightmarish geographies or architectures. And the actor Max Gordon Moore reminds us just how wild short stories can be. With a reading in its entirety of Wakefield, the intensely strange, classic Nathaniel Hawthorne story. He had contrived, or rather he had happened to, dissever himself from the world, to vanish Get ready for all that and more in a season about short stories, small windows into vast universes. It's season five of The Cosmic Library, available soon wherever you go for podcasts. (laughs) Every time I talk to my agent, he's like, it's like we're at a funeral together. And he's just like, yeah, maybe, maybe there'll be some leftover potato salad when we get to the reception. Oh my God. You know, like every day he's just like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm Alex Higley. And I'm Lindsay Hunter. And, and I'm, I'm a, a writer. writer, but. Welcome to I'm a Writer, but today we have Rachel Yoder, the author of Night Bitch, which is her debut novel set for release in this month, July 2021, and has also been optioned for, for film by Anna Perna with Amy Adams set to star. She is a graduate of the Iowa Nonfiction Writing Program and also holds an MFA in fiction from the University of Arizona. Her writing has been awarded with the Editor's Prize in Fiction by the Missouri Review and with notable distinctions in Best American Short Stories and Best American Non-Required Reading. She is also a founding editor of Draft, the Journal of Process. Rachel grew up in a Mennonite community in the Appalachian foothills of Eastern Ohio. She now lives in Iowa City with her husband and son. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much for welcome, having welcome. me. This is so I think exciting. we should keep singing the whole time. I can't Sing stop. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to read to us? I have an excerpt from my book. It's not <laughs> my bitch. <laughs> Woohoo! Oh, man. It's been a, yeah, it's been a long day. So, um, <laughs> This is a little ditty uh, from Night Bitch, where the um, main character, Night Bitch, and her small son are having lunch at a cafeteria type Oh, I'm style. so oh, yes. excited <laughs> that you're reading this. <laughs> okay, here we go. She set the bowl of macaroni before him and cut a chicken finger into small bites, which she arranged on a napkin. 
She was unusually silent as she did this, distracted by her hunger and the smell of the meat. The mother may have been in some sort of animal trance, cutting the chicken finger, yes, but doing it without knowing what she was doing. She could only focus on her hunger, a hunger that filled up every space inside her until she was nearly crazed. She turned to her plate. Oh, the glory of the meatloaf, the suppleness of the muscle fibers as the pot roast fell apart. She used a fork and then she used her hands and then she simply allowed her face to fall upon the pile. And you could suppose this was some sort of worship. The mother with head bowed, taking the foodstuffs directly into her body. There was a purity to such an act. The boy watched with wide eyes for but a moment and then screamed with glee and did the same, plunging his face into the mac and cheese and then sitting up with a noodle stuck on to one cheek, cheese on his eyelids. He clapped. The mother continued in her fugue, the feel of the meat in her throat filling her. The boy reached over to take a bite of the corn and she growled low and quiet and he retreated to pick up the chicken tender in his mouth and shake it side to side. She gulped the meat down and moaned with the taste of it, snuffled and chomped, and then nudged the pile of corn with her nose toward her son. He picked it up with one pudgy hand, slammed it into his mouth, and closed his eyes as he chewed. She ate and ate and ate. With a singular animal focus, she ate. She licked the plate clean, and when she arose, she saw that all the mothers around her had quieted. Even the businessmen were off their phones watching. She picked up her napkin and calmly wiped her face. She took a very deep breath. She would act natural, play it cool. She would not cry. She would not cry. Horrifically, she met eyes with a man at the next table over, a guy with a smart haircut and an open collared button down, his briefcase beside him on a chair. Hungry, he said. Not a question, but more a verbal fist bump a somewhat odd acknowledgement of what had just transpired. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> there we have, she doesn't Boom. quite know what's happening yet, um, but she's hungry. She's hungry. <laughs> I'm curious about the early, the first section of this book. If you, did you have the whole, did you write a whole draft? Did you have that first section first? There's so much, incredible momentum and mm. just power in that first section the whole book is that way but really the, that first section is just like oh, oh my god <laughs> did you have did you have that first or did you have an entire draft how did how did drafting this this novel work yeah that definitely came first and that came after two years of not writing a word after wow. my son was born um mm. yeah and it i you know after that first section i was kind of like oh shit, is this it? Like, is it done? Was that it? Because it, you know, it kind of like does a thing and we mm -hmm. arrive at a moment and it felt so, you know, propulsive and it just poured out of me um, that I kind of wondered, okay, well, am I, did I just write like a novella or is this really a novel? And then I kind of saw that there was more that I wanted to explore. Um, and I, I did it all rather chronologically of course with like fits and starts but yeah definitely I think the rest of the book was um while it still like came fairly easily there was a lot more 
sort of thought that went into it or, you know, like thinking about structure and how I can kind of make it go. And there were some false starts, but um, that first section, man, I just, I had two years worth of ranting in me that (laughs) was ready to come out. Yeah. So you were close to the age that night bitch, the, the child night bitch child was about the same age as your own child at that time or, or no. Like, were you, were you like close to having a two-year-old at that time or were you a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I probably, I probably was. He might've been a little older, wow. but also I don't, I mean, I don't have, I always say this and I still believe it's true, even though I wrote a book about a, a mom who turns into a dog, I don't have a great imagination. So um, <laughs> a lot of the sort of, you know, logistics or details of the book, I hew very close to my life also because it was a very personal book, but, um, yeah, I mean, I had a young kid as I was writing this book. Wow. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like the, I mean, it's amazing that you have an MFA in nonfiction and an MFA in fiction. And you're also saying, you know, a lot of this came from my life. Like, do you feel like, do you feel those two things working Mm. in you as you write or? Oh yeah, for sure. I think, I think getting an MFA in nonfiction made me a better fiction writer because it made me understand um, sort of like the possibilities of thinking on the page and telling on the page um, and not tell like, not, you know, cause they always say when you get your fiction MFA show, don't tell. And I was terrified of just sort of turning away from the showing and having a moment of like telling or talking. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I sat down to write this, I was not scared of that. I really embraced that sort of essayistic impulse because I had some shit to say. And, um, but, but it felt very, also very good to have the vehicle be this fantastical story. Um, So I, yeah, I kind of like the, I felt like I could draw, have the best of both worlds and like bring them into one piece. Yeah. Those are some of my favorite parts in the book where your, your character night bitch is just sort of ruminating on what it is to be a woman and what it is to be a mother and mm-hmm. um, you know, how it's a trick and, <laughs> um, and just sort of like, Oh God, that not to spoil it too much for people, but like that moment where she's talking about how unfair it is that, that women should be expected to be attractive, but she also feels that she should be hot, but just for herself (laughs) is so there's just like moment after moment like that all throughout the book. And it, it feels it re it's a fairy tale. It's fantastical, but it also feels like a manifesto in some way. Um, and I, you know, like I could, I was just shaking the book in the air, like, yes, (laughs) you know, like it's, um, another thing that I really, loved about it was that um the child is older so it's like you know the, there's there's these books that are that are important that uh, you know about what happens to a, a woman directly after she gives birth and she's mm, yeah to be a mother but then there's you know um and I think it does correspond to that two years because it took me about two years after every child to sort of get back in to writing mm-hmm. there's a sort of like awakening that happens I I feel around two years where you you start to notice that you have a brain <laughs> and um and it's a different kind of boredom it's a different kind of desperation when you have a toddler versus when you have like a small helpless baby oh for sure yeah and i i don't know about you and i guess i haven't really heard too many people talk about this experience but i felt high for at least the first year of having wow. my baby like i'd I, 
oxytocin is for real. If, is, <laughs> if I'm naming the drug, whatever that, that, that thing is that's in your brain. Like I was so happy the first year and just like riding a cloud and would like hold my baby and look at him for hours at a time and just like get high off of like whatever <laughs> was going on in my body. I loved it. And like, after that sort of, you know, abated and the sleep deprivation caught up with me and the quitting my job caught up with me. And like, then I was sort of home alone with these endless hours, mm -hmm. um, with a toddler that then I was like, Oh, Oh, where, where am I? Like, mm -hmm. what have I gotten myself into? Did I agree to this? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, it really was a, a sense of like coming back into my like unbaby high body and, and, and trying to like understand what was going on. Yeah. There's a me here too. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's like right. And I mean, it's even, it even comes through in the book and in, in so often in, in routine for night bitch, whether it's just a feeding routine, a nighttime routine where she's really not getting help from her husband, but even the stuff like going to the park, like park anxiety, like who's going to be there? Am I going to have to deal with parent X or Y? It's like that. Oh my God. I mean, I'm not a mother, but as a father of a toddler, I just was like, oh my fucking God, this all, all parents of toddlers should read this book. It's just, it, I felt indicted and, and was able to laugh as well throughout all that shit was just like <laughs> wrecking. Yeah, it, it, it is devastating. But one of the things that I loved was I was telling Alex um, after we both got to the end of the first part that that feels like, like you could have expanded what you had and that would have been the climax, the end. But you pushed yourself into this other, because it's like, okay, um, motherhood works because she's given into this animal side of herself. And so this human side of herself, fuck it. It's too hard to fight for. The art is too hard to fight for. But you pushed the book into this other mm -hmm. situation. You pushed it, you pushed it in, in, into triumph, I feel. And I don't think that was an easy thing to do. Did you, did you have a sense of you know, like I want, like, did you have a sense of the theme that you wanted or, or what people, what you wanted people, mothers to get out of it at mm. the end? I had a sense that there was like a possibility. There was a lot of possibility if she was an artist and a mother for me to kind of like explore how those are both creative processes, you know, mm -hmm. and like, and how they, can inform each other what, what they, what, you know, what one can teach about the other, how they're sort of in dialogue. Um, and, and so that was sort of what propelled me further into it because I was interested in that, what that conversation was and I didn't know what it was yet. And I also, I needed to know how to do that with my own art. I mean, it's a very sort of like self reflect, you know, reflexive book. Like I, I needed, I needed to know um, what night bitch had to tell me I had to write the book to find out I had to. And then, and then doing that, like get back to myself, get back mm -hmm. to my own creative process. Mm -hmm. um, so it was almost sort of like a, 
not self-help, but maybe, maybe like a sort of spiritual practice to just write the book. Like it felt very important for me to finish it. Um, and it felt very important for me to like, take it as far as I could take it for my own like personal growth. I, mm-hmm. I needed to know like the lessons of night bitch and of Wanda who I wanted to know so much about. Um, so I just had to keep going. And you, you know, you address those things that Alex is talking about, like that, that anxiety of other parents and finding your place there and, and, you know, like, and like prejudging yourself through their eyes, you know, and, um, but you, you give them, you give those parents humanity. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and at the end it's, um, it's, it's, it really is like a village, like, you know, it takes a village. It really is like, there are roles for anyone who's willing. Um, And I just felt like that was such, that was also an important, an important statement because I, I, I do that to myself and I do it in my writing when I'm talking, you know, when I'm describing these characters or these scenes. Um, And I felt like it was cathartic in a way, um, you know, for night bitch to, to push to that, to that level and, you know, find, I'm, I'm spoiling it, but find a, a role for, mm-hmm. for Jen. And mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I just thought that there was so much grace in that. And like, did you, did you have to fight through any sort of like, I'm now I'm asking for my <laughs> own purposes, any sort of like inner cynicism or were you always like, no, everybody's going to come along, you know, like I'm. Um, I think I, w- I was, I was so lonely and alone and so isolated Mm -hmm. in early motherhood and I needed I needed a story that gave me hope like Mm -hmm. I desperately longed to connect with other moms like I desperately longed to connect with my husband I desperately longed for um, some sort of meaningful connection and it felt felt really impossible and so I did it in the book I mean, at the time it wasn't conscious really, but that's exactly what I was doing. I I was like, I'm writing, I mean, this is so cliched, but I'm like writing the book I need to read. Like Mm -hmm. I I wanted to understand what that story would look like. And if I could like make a hopeful story out of her situation, because I was struggling so much to to make my own story hopeful. yeah. And so, yeah, it was a very cathartic process for me, very much so. Rachel, you talked about pushing past that initial section and, you know, really seeing what the rest of Night Bitch's story would be. I was, I was so curious about the section um, where Night Bitch is thinking of her grandma and her mother wanting to be an opera singer. That was my favorite section in the whole book. And it seemed like it really reframed so much of what came before i was wondering if you had a recollection of how you arrived at that because it seemed completely perfect to arrive at that point in the novel but something that you know was outside the chronology of the the main narrative i was wondering if there was how how difficult it was to arrive at something like that or or if that just kind of came to you yeah i'm so glad to hear that it felt it it did reframe something for you because that was the section that was always sort of the booger for me I almost wound (laughs) up just deleting all of it um and I mean I think at the time and I still am I was really interested you know I come from the Mennonites I come from the Pennsylvania Dutch culture and I was really interested in 
Pennsylvania Dutch folk medicine and sort of like the witchy part of um, my Mennonite ancestry. Um, and it, it felt like, I don't, I don't know, like I, I started writing it and started thinking about, you know, all of the women who were my role models and what, what was kind of within reach for them and the ways in which they were limited and how what I was feeling um, might be something that many of my ancestors, female ancestors had felt, mm. um, especially in such a, a closed patriarchal culture. Um, and it, it really like was again, like cathartic to write that and sort of find that connection with that mother character um, to see that, you know, cause I think Night Bitch starts to see that um, her mom, her mom's sort of distance was mm -hmm. was like her greatest love her her telling her to go and like leave and get out of here and do it um which she always took to be this sort of brusque you know um push away was actually like the best she could do for her mm -hmm. and i just you know thought a lot about how of you know of course like my mom and um and the women who are my mentors, they were doing the best they could with what they were given too. And I, I think it's, it was just this, this has been like my process of coming into midlife is everything is getting sort of reframed. And I thought everything was so kind of clear and I had the world figured out with my adolescent rage. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, I think the book wound up being this sort of unhinged righteous rage that moves into another way that's perhaps more like grounded and wise mm. of of looking at a story and understanding a story um and that was a really wonderful process for me and i think that required looking back you know and i don't think i would have gotten there if if I wouldn't have had that sort of looking back moment, like into mm. the deep past mm. um, at like the deep images and the deep stories that are there. That section. And then the paragraph, I, I believe it comes earlier. The what's more unbelievable than motherhood paragraph where you're kind of going, where night bitch is kind of going through and thinking about, well, no, of course. I mean, Jesus, what's more unbelievable than that? <laughs> I, that, I mean, there's such a wonderful effect on the rest of the book. It, yeah, I, it was, I'm really glad that section survived is what I'm saying, Rachel. Oh, great. Do you think it helped you? Um, like, did it help you parent your child? Or like, I, I'm just asking because um, to read about Night Bitch's Rage and, and to read about how, you know, she, she uses it to create herself. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's cleansing for me as a mother to see that, to, to read that. Um, and to sort of, uh, like my, my daughter was being annoying the other day and I was like, you're being annoying. And I was like, Oh, that's totally fine. That's a normal human interaction. I don't have to feel guilty about that. <laughs> you know, like, I feel like that's night bitches influence. Just like, I'm oh, yeah. you know, lowly low growl at my daughter. <laughs> Just like You're pushing it, you know? Um, yeah. Did it, did it feel like a catharsis for you? 
Yeah, I mean, I think at a certain point, my own rage became really counterproductive and actually began to hurt me and hurt my parenting. And I saw that, I mean, Night Bitch is like my effort to take my own rage and turn it into something productive. I was like, this is going to eat me alive. I mean, it was, it was also, you have to remember like during the Trump era, right. We're like, oh my God, yeah. Mm-hmm. every day was just, you know, political trauma. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so there was this sense that I could sort of like lose myself to the rage or I could, you know, like sink or swim. And at, after two years of not writing, it was like, it's obvious, like not writing is not working for me. Um, it's obvious, like writing is my outlet. It's obvious, like I, I have something now that I really need to let out. Um, and I also like, I didn't have, I don't have a long history with anger um, mm-hmm. and knowing like what to do with it, especially coming from the Mennonites where, you know, anger is sort of next to violence and we're pacifists. So we like, don't tread in in that we don't do anger very well mm-hmm. we don't know how to do anger and so um yeah it was just me kind of bumbling through trying to figure out like how to be angry what do you do with it how do you feel it where do you put it in your body like how does it come out of you it's like oh like sort of learning about it as a toddler would in a lot mm-hmm. of ways mm-hmm. um yeah. Yeah. So, and, and it's, it's much better now. Like I, I, this book helped me work through a lot of it. And, and I can, I also wanted, like, I was hoping that there would be something that came out of the, this book that would kind of show a way for rage to be productive, you know, mm-hmm. like how can we use it in a productive way or in a creative way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you have the name of the character as night bitch and the name of the book is night bitch early because it feels i mean it's such a powerful name and it's such a i mean it's such a great title for a book i it feels like i don't know it it, i was just like jesus did she have that right away it's so fucking good (laughs) yeah i mean it's it started it started with that and it's also it's absurd too it's like I, I thought it was also like a funny joke, which is part of the the project of this book, you know, was I'm like, okay, I can be, I can be angry, but it's also a joke and I can um, be funny too. And so that way I can kind of balance out the anger of it. But yeah, like the title came before anything really. Oh, wow. I love that there wasn't like an impulse to, to make it more polite. One of the editors I talked to really early on was like, oh, we might need to change the title. Like before I sold the book, um, she's like, we might need to change the title, change the the name of the main character. And I was like, interesting. Okay. Like that will not work, but thank you. Um, Yeah. So I'm glad that it did get to stay in the end. Sorry to cut you off. It is essential. That is. (laughs) It is essential. And you just recently finished the screenplay for it. I did. And what was that like? That was also a truly intense experience. Um, You know, written during a pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, My first time ever adapting my own work, which is really hard. Um, You probably knew that, but I thought it wasn't going to be hard. Um, (laughs) 
uh, <laughs> and it, you know, it was very rigorous, very difficult and made me wish I, I had revised the book one more time because oh, wow. like, you know, cause I found all these, because you have to like, you know, make it a lot shorter and make every image count a lot more and really find like a tight structure for it. Um, and so it made me, it was really like doing an incredibly rigorous revision. Um, and I found, you know, like all, I, I did a lot more, I dove into art um, and the art world and, and just found a lot more inspiration there and wish I could have like included more specific art stuff in the book. Um, but, but yeah, it is, it is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, it feels like two different, it feels like a good thing. It feels like the book is its thing and then the movie can be mm -hmm. its thing. Mm -hmm. you know so no one's going to be like well that didn't happen in the bond you know it's like <laughs> night bitch the movie is different you know and also because a lot of night bitch is so interior because she is so alone and she is in her head you mm -hmm. know and so like making that into a movie must have been excruciating for you <laughs> and thankfully you have like a, a great, great word <laughs> yes. you have a great actress who, who who can do that you know you can she can make her face convey so much but it must have been really hard for you to think about how to convey those things yeah I mean I think that's the the main challenge right is when you have a book that is so incredibly internal how in the world do you like put that put that on screen so um yeah it was just it's a very different medium it was just like kind of figuring out like the conventions and the tricks and all the different like ways you can you can get to that but but via um, very different pathways. How did Is you it, learn how to do it, Rachel? Um, screenwriting. Yeah. Uh, I did. I took some classes back oh, cool. in, yeah, in my, um, at my MFA at Arizona. And, and even before that, like my, I kind of wanted to go to film school before I ever wanted to go get my MFA, but just like logistically, it didn't make any sense. It was much easier to write a story than make you know, make a short sure. film. Um, so, so yeah, it's something I've always wanted to do and I've, you know, had some practice in it, but um, had never re written like a feature length script all the way through. And I think on top of that, like adaptation is a whole, you know, kind of a whole different thing than just writing an original script too, um, because it does have this translation. So, I mean, it was, it was really hard, but it was also really great. Like I learned a lot and now I have that education for whatever, you know, comes in the future. Yeah. Were you, were you showing drafts of it to anyone? Um, <laughs> it was, I mean, it was sort of crazy pants over here. Not really. I mean, my, my husband has a, has a degree in film. He read some drafts of it, um, but it was a pretty solitary endeavor. Wow. Yeah. That is impressive. Is it as funny as Night Bitch the book? Is it as funny? Yes. Yes. I think it might really? even be funnier. That's what I'm so excited about because I love, I love horror slash humor. It just, somehow it works. It's like the absurdity of both come together. And those are kind of my favorite movies and my favorite books to read. Um, and so I just feel like this book is so, I mean, this book is hilarious 
and sad and <laughs> scary, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like that in the wrong hands goes terribly, but you were able, maybe it's just because night bitch is so authentic, you know, and, and so human and so animal that we just follow her everywhere she goes. Um, but did you ever kind of worry about, did you ever like, I'm, I'm, I'm asking this personally, cause the thing I'm writing right now veers wildly between like scary and funny. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I worry a lot about like, Oh God, <laughs> like, is this <laughs> too wild? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think this book is going to be for everyone. Um, it's, it's a lot of what it is. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, yeah, there's always that worry and I think it can easily like be a joke. And I was, I'm always afraid of it, of the book just sort of being a joke and people discounting it is just like, oh, it's like the like, you know, mom who turns into a dog book. It's so easy to just kind of <laughs> put it in that category and then toss it off to the side. But I think, um, yeah, there is like an earnest. The thing is, it's like a werewolf mom book written very earnestly so <laughs> I mean do what you will with that you know like I don't know what else I'm just a weirdo I guess like that that's what I have to give no it's so, so relatable it is so relatable yeah, it's really, it so real even for non-mothers for the people who are listening I mean like I yeah it's just I, I think it's uh you got to pick it up if you have if you have toddlers in your life or if you've ever read a fucking book pick it up <laughs> yeah it's it is so fun to read and so shocking and wonderful and funny. And it made me think of Mrs. Caliban, which I just recently read. Have oh you read that? Oh my God. You yeah. had strong feelings about that, Lindsay. I did. I did. I remember. Um, yes. Or was um, one character in particular, right? You were like fucking fired up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just love that. Like, is this real? Is this not real? But also I really relate to this character, this poor woman who is like, has experienced like, world ending grief mm-hmm. you know and and night bitch is also experiencing these like super real emotions and stuff from her past and you know like trying to find herself again and and this other thing is happening you know and um yeah i i i was into it it's amazing to hear i'm so glad yeah what are you what are you doing now what am i doing now i'm just getting ready for the book launch and oh, that's all that you know <laughs> just doing that how um, does that feel like how do you feel right now I feel okay I'm trying I'm trying to make a practice of taking the excitement and putting it in my body in a nice solid way as opposed to letting it sort of become corrupted and turn into like anxiety and neuroticism so just like mm-hmm. trying to stay in stay in my night bitch, so to speak, like just, yeah, this is, you know, this is going to be great. I'm going to, it's the same thing. Like I'm, I'm going to approach like the book launch with like excitement and vulnerability and earnestness, like much in the same way I approach the book. Um, because like if that, if the pandemic has taught me anything, it's like, that's, that's, that's what I'm doing here. I'm just, yeah. I'm just trying to have like an authentic genuine experience um yeah so 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 that's happening I don't know what comes next like in terms writing again seems very far away but I Mm. hope it's 
I hope it's closer than it seems, you know, because I do have, I, it would feel so great to start on something new. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably so hard with everything you've got in the air right now. Um, I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah. You've probably got like a gauntlet coming your way, right? Like interviews and events and. Yeah. I mean, everything's still a little, in terms of events, it's a little s- slow still because of, you know, COVID yeah. and mm-hmm. um, the uh, my publisher isn't supporting in-person events, but um, I still have a few things I've put together and I'm, I'm just trying not to overachieve um, because again, COVID is one of, one of the lessons of the pandemic. Like there's no need to kind of kill myself um, promoting the book. So I'm trying to like do what's fun and um, knowing that like the book has a long life, like there'll be a paperback next year and yeah. There will most likely be a film. So there's going to be a lot and I don't have to cram it all in, in like July and August. So, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is, you are hearing me at my calmest. It, I do not always sound like this. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> do you have like a celebration planned or anything you're going to do to sort of mark the moment or have you already done that? Um, I mean, I do have an, uh, like an in-person event here in Iowa city, which feels really exciting because it's it'll be the first time I'm like seeing people again yes um and it's like outdoors and I get it's like Prairie Lights my favorite bookstore on earth are are sponsoring it and I am I'm really excited for that like I just want to see people's faces and be happy with my with my community that feels really exciting to me awesome Man, you are so smart about all of this. Um, and I think it's going to make it a very pleasant experience because fingers crossed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I love it. Will you turn into a dog at your event? Ooh. Ooh. I'll drive there if you are. And what um, kind of dog? That's, I mean, I cannot reveal the answer to that question in <laughs> any way. So I guess yes. you'll just have to like come and see for yourself. You got to have beef tartare at the event. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, are you a big meat eater? I am not. No, I'm not even a big dog. I'm a cat person. Um, oh my God. Surprise of the whole episode. <laughs> I love cats. I'm not a big, I mean, I haven't had a, do- a pet dog since I was a kid. Um, yeah. And I'm not a big fan of meat. So I don't know. I love it. I I just love how, how you just let night bitch go. I just love, I mean, that is, that's like, for me, that's like a once in a lifetime thing and you did it and it is so thrilling. Lindsay, you're working on something scary and funny. Mm. I am rewriting from word one, the novel that was out on submission in April or May. Oh my that, god, was it that long ago already? I, I think so, yeah. May. Oh my god. Around there. And uh you guys are so productive, but go oh on. Well, I live in constant fear and anxiety. But, um, <laughs> so it got passed and, and like and and the thing about passes is you'll hear from the editors about how much they love you and how much they love yeah. the novel and how great it is and how brilliant you are, but it's just not the right one. So I've just been like like night bitch channeling my rage into uh-huh. creation and it's it's actually been really fun. I've um, like I've just been like doing it. I don't know. You've been so, cranking. You have been absolutely yeah. cranking. Yeah. Like, I have yeah. almost 70,000 words that I've written since 
May or something. I don't know, but so awesome. But we'll see. Um, that's what I'm working on right now. Wow. I mean, that is always just to echo Alex. I don't even. I mean, I don't know your process or your life or anything, but I always have the sense that you are cranking. Like that yeah. is like the vibe I get from you, and that's mm-hmm. yeah, because it's just like you discovered. Like you, we have to do something, or mm-hmm. I'm just not a good mom. Like I'm, I'm constantly if I'm if I haven't written, I'm always thinking, when am I going to write today? I need to write. I need to write. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. And I was talking to my best friend who's not a writer at all. And she said something really profound for moms or dads, but she, she was talking about like, after she had, before she had her first kid, she kept, she was a long distance runner. She told her husband, I'm not, I'm not ever going to stop running. I just want you to know that. He's like, okay. And so then she had her baby and she did, you know, she didn't run for a few weeks, but um, it was a very short amount of time. And she turned in one day and she's like, I'm going for a run now. Here's the baby. And he, and she went for a run and he called her on the run. Oh he was like, the baby's crying. Oh She's my like, God. I told you I'm never giving up running and you need to figure it out. And I'll be home after my run. And oh, she's wow. like, that's what everyone has to do in parent. Like you have to find the thing that you need yes. to be yourself before the baby even comes, you know, like identify the thing. And then like, you just have to like, hold on to it as how fucking wise is she oh my yeah, god yeah right i was like Jesus. wow th- could you have told me this like eight years ago it's, it's, that would it have been a lot so, more helpful it is so true and in a way it's 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 like it's it's like um outlining yourself for your children like i think mm. about boundaries a lot because your children will just like fuck your boundaries up oh, because shit. they have to right but if you insist on a few things it's just better for everyone and i feel like those kinds of things like show you as who you are and not just as their mom, which I think is really crucial for them to understand, oh, yeah. you know, for sure. It shows them how to be a person, right, a full exactly. person when they grow up too. Cause mm-hmm. they're like, Oh yeah, I have to take care of myself. I have to like, and there's always this awkward moment in your childhood where you, where you do, you know, like, I feel like when my parents got divorced, I saw them, Oh, okay. They're, they're human. And I wish I had known that before. Mm. Um, cause I, cause it does, it teaches you how to be, it teaches you that it's okay to be, um, fucked up, you know, like, and to make mistakes and, yeah. and, and own your mistakes. Um, so that, yeah, I, like, I can remember after Parker was born trying to force it, my Parker's my first. And after like, you know, like Ben taking him one day, um, to his friend's house so that I could have a few hours to write. And I just put my forehead on the table and was like, I am so fucking tired. I don't mm. have, I have nothing to say. Um, but eventually it comes and you have to give it space, even if you're, <laughs> setting your alarm for 457. Oh my god. Waking up and oh, writing man. in bed so you don't wake the rest of the house up. Oh my god. It works. Hardcore. It works. <laughs> I feel like there's people hardcore. who work who who wake up earlier than that, you know, and get it done. Parents are hardcore. <laughs> my god, you know, like if there's anyone who's like great at eating shit, it is parents, you know, and that is a <laughs> crucial life skill. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we're going to release you to go out into the night. <laughs> That's what I've been waiting for. Awesome. <laughs> I would make us all howl, but I don't think my microphone would like that. So let's just pretend that it happened. Sure. We'll do that. <laughs> it was amazing. Rachel, Thanks. this book is incredible and we love you and we're so excited for you. And everybody Thanks, Rachel. pre-order it, read it and rate and review. I don't know. I, 
I can't, she was so calm. I can't imagine what her life is actually like. I mean, if I, <laughs> if I had a book that was coming out that was getting this much attention and was being made into a movie by maybe the best actress going, I would just, I would not be calm. I wouldn't even be able to fake calm. I would be such an asshole. I would. <laughs> and that's why I don't deserve it yet. <laughs> God, you know what the important word is in that last sentence is yet. <laughs> I'll get there one day. Oh my God. It is true though. I mean, like she's, she's been writing for years and she, mm -hmm. you know, she has those two degrees and she's, you know, she was working in a literature program. She, well, she knows, you know, like she was working and Rachel, I'm sorry if I got this wrong, but I feel like she was also helping with the mission Creek yeah, yeah. festival or she was like a major, so well, she's, she knows. Well, let's just say none of that happened. Let's say like, none of like she wrote a great book and so like regardless of like all the time she put in it's just like it makes sense because the book is good you know like really good and i don't know mm -hmm. i mean totally a hundred percent she was putting in time but like even if she wasn't it's like the book's fucking great so i just mean like when you've when you've been doing it for that long you have the scar oh tissue. i see you totally have totally tissue. 100% totally so now I'm tracking yeah yeah you're able to just like accept what's coming your way and like be in the moment mm -hmm. um and and so I don't know it's beautiful the way that she's talking about it and <laughs> I agree I agree yeah I hope I hope that's that stays with her um because it's such a great book so fun to read and mm -hmm. um and like you know like I said just like moment after moment where you're just like, yes, that's exactly how I feel. And why did, you know, like I never thought I could write about that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's great. I'm excited for people to read it. Definitely. What the hell else? What the hell else? What the hell else? Um, well, I've been reading uh, Lacey Crawford's book. Yes. Oh my God. God damn. It's, it's wild. Cause that book, like it's, it, it deals with something so ho -ho devastating and so heavy, yes. but, and I think I remember Rebecca Mackay saying this on Twitter that it reads like a college novel. It reads like a campus novel, even though it is all completely yeah. true. And, um, she's just, she just has like a deftness and a grace about the way that, Oh my God. I mean, handles these things. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, you get, you get the awful like rape pretty much immediately in the book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, and then what you get is Lacey's unbelievable understanding of who she was at that time in her life, how it impacted the woman she became, how the educational environment that she was in at the time influenced the, the way the, the rape was handled. And mm -hmm. I mean, immediately there's a kind of an immediate, mm -hmm. um, and constant reframing throughout the book that is kind of takes your breath away. The intelligence, to be honest. Um, yeah. Yep. I know she is like the smartest person. Every time she tweets, I'm like, Oh, she's so smart. <laughs> she's just wonderful. And um, yeah, so we get to talk to her this week Yeah. and that episode will be dropping soon. Yes. And <clears throat> I started what then what am I oh I'm reading a book that she recommended called What Happened to Paula um which is a true crime but also I mean it's not a true crime because it's also sort of it's sort of just about girlhood and womanhood mm. um and I'm I'm like I don't know 50 to 70 pages in um 
You had and, a Paula story. What was it? Peggy Paula? What was that? Peggy Paula. Three things you need there to know about Peggy Paula. That's right. Good old Peggy Paula. Um, may her legend live forever. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, that's that's been great. Um, and I'm listening to Alana Massad's book. Oh, cool. Because um, we're going to talk to her down the line as well. I was excited for that one because it's purple. I was like, ah, oh, it's a good purple book. <laughs> That's a good sign. That's a good purple it book. It has a right great there. font. Yes, it does. it does. It also, so all three of these books we've been talking about mm-hmm. Notes on a Silencing, What Happened to Paula, and um, and My Mother's Lovers, all open with devastating, <laughs> horrible things happening. Really? Except My Mother's Lovers is fiction. All My Mother's Lovers, All My Mother's Lovers, I think that's what it's called. Let me make sure. All My Mother's Lovers. I tell you something fucked up? Of course. So as as we were talking there at the end, I looked up, I, I pulled up Amy Adams' Wikipedia because I was like, I think she's a Coloradoan. And uh, she was raised in Castle Rock, so I'm going to claim her as a Coloradoan. Mm-hmm. But then... Castle, Rock's, she, Castle Rock is in Colorado? Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, I was thinking Castle Rock, Maine. I mean, maybe both. It's where we went to the outlet malls is uh, Castle Rock. Oh, yeah. Go to the lids there. Come on. (laughs) But uh, she was born on August 20th. And if you're a sicko like me, you just thought of Todd Helton right away. So Amy Adams, Todd Helton, and Miranda Popke, same birthday. Just wanted to really get that in this episode. Who's Todd Todd who? Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Just... It's just, just an absolutely unbelievable defensive first baseman. I mean, I didn't know Rockies. who Todd Helton was. Ben hates Todd Helton. Ben's going to say. I'm not going to say what Ben said. Mm-mm. Nope. Yeah, I'm not I saying know what it. Ben said. Nope. 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 <laughs> We're cutting it. We're cutting it. I believe in peace and love. I'm not going to say it. Did he say that when he got a DUI, it was because he was drinking cups of wine? Because that's what he said. He said, wow, I'm so glad Alex taught you that. That's what he said. <laughs> I love Ben. I've always loved Ben. He knows that. That's a word for it. That's a word. Miranda yeah, Popke really also, awesome. you said? Yeah, August 20th. Oh, God. She's such a genius. Okay. Shout now I'm with Miranda. you. I'm with you. I'm with you. What what I got? You got anything weird? Um, Yesterday when I picked up my son from drum camp, my five-year-old, mm. his teacher goes, yeah, he has a lot of interests. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and I was like, "Well, thank you." And he's like, "Yeah, all at once." Oh my god! <laughs> and I was like, uh, "Okay." <laughs> I can see your middle son being a drummer. I mean, it just—I yeah. can totally see it. Yeah, yeah. The guy was like, "He's interested in drums. He's interested in philosophy." Wow! And I was like, "Okay, all right." Um, so there you go. Future writer, maybe. Wow. Middle children. They got a lot to say. I don't know. I'm a middle child. Okay. There you go. go. Done and done. (laughs) All right. I guess we did it. (laughs) All right. See you later. Goodbye. I'm a writer, but is recorded by Alex Hickley and me, Lindsay Hunter in our respective basements. Editing by Lindsay Hunter. Music by Max Loop. Yeah.